0: We, we've, we're not running through this, we've been in this, this is Acts according to my notes, it's Zach's part, we're in part nine, um, and we're in chapter 13, so <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna try and, try and take a, try and increase our number of chapters per week this, this week, um, we're gonna be, we've met, we, this chapter starts a new, um, Segment of Acts, if you will. There's a shift that happens between um, the 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 last when when Lilia uh, two weeks ago Lilia did you know Acts 11 and she talked about uh, did a great job and just shared about um, Cornelius and and Peter and the vision God gave him that expanded and and opened the, their eyes to the fact that God's heart was for everyone, not just the Jews. Um, and, and kind of expanded the Great Commission outside of the of the, the walls of, of Judaism. Um, we we see that shift begin there, but it, it's really in, in this this section that 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 the book itself, the story does a, a, a focus shift. It goes from um, excuse me, it goes from being focused on the church in Jerusalem to expanding to the surrounding areas. It goes from being focused on the, the, the Jesus the Messiah coming to the Jews to Jesus the Savior of the world coming to the world. It moves from being focused on the narrative and the story of the disciples to we now see it shifting in the rest of Acts and largely the rest of the New Testament. Uh, we see that the shift is the main um, outside of the gospel of course the 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 person that the story is focused on largely is Paul there's lots of other important characters and and we know that in reality in the in the in the the, the first century it wasn't all just about Paul right there was he was one of many he was on a team we'll talk about that the the apostles or the disciples were still the really the in their day, would have been seen as the leaders of the church, um, but from a, 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 a New Testament perspective, we see this shift where a, a big chunk of the writing is either from Paul's hand or from from Paul, or it's a, a, about his journeys. Um, and so, so we we see this big shift happening. Paul was converted on the Damascus Road. You remember we talked about that a number of weeks ago. Um, last Two weeks ago, Peter received the vision um, from God expanding out, as we mentioned. And now we pick up in, in Acts chapter 13, um, starting in verse 1, we, we see this, this shift of, of the story. And we'll just jump right in. Verse 1, among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria, were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So, after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way and so thus starts the first missionary trip really of uh, of of Jesus' great commission right we could almost call this the, the great expansion uh, if, you, if you wanted to kind of give it a, get a name and Paul would be for his life would be on this mission. For the next 20 years until, until he died, until his, his life was ended literally on mission. Um, and, and so the, uh, today we're going to try and get through, we're going to get through, by faith we're going to get through, the, the first missionary uh, journey. as the, Paul's life is kind of broken out by, by theologians. They've kind of broken out into three, basically three missions trips that he took. Now they're not like the mission trips that we take now, where we, you know, you go for a week or ten days, or, you know, if you're super spiritual, it's a month. You know, uh, these were these were this first one that that he went on. Paul was gone somewhere between four and ten months. It was was this journey that he went on, this first loop around the region, and it, it provides for us, I think, a couple of key things. Uh, key lessons that we need to learn if if we are going to embrace the mission that God has called us to. We're all called to be on mission. And that doesn't mean that we are all called to, you know, pack up our stuff and move from town to town all over the country um, or the world. But God has a mission for each and every one of us. And if we're, going to, if we're going to live our lives on that mission, there, there's some things that we need to learn. There's some lessons that I think can, can help us get on our way and stay on our way that we can see in, in Paul's first missions trip. And so that's kind of what we're going to look at today. Um, we're going to kind of do a real quick flyby of the, whole, the trip as a whole. Um, it covers you know, three or four chapters, so we're not going to read it all, um, but we're going to cover the narrative. Uh, so let's just invite the Lord into, into his word into to uh, give us the ears to hear what he has for, for each of us today. God, we, we thank you um, for meeting us this morning. Jesus, we ask that you would uh, speak through your word. God, convict us, encourage us, comfort us. Hope us to hear what is on your heart this morning amen all right so lessons for living on mission that's what we're talking about today and here in this first little three three verses we see our first lesson and that is living on mission is a response to a call it's a response to a call sometimes we 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 get it in our head that you know we 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 get excited or 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 out of a genuine love for God we want to do the mission for him and that's that's a great heart position to have but it's it's vital that we understand that everything we do has to be a response to what he is calling us to and if it's not we're going to have problems <laughs> Because you were not called to write the story. You were called to obey His plans. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. And our job is to, to find and submit to that plan, not write our own story. And that's a good thing. But we just have to understand and we have to always be mindful of how we approach serving Jesus, being on mission. It starts, we see right here in in these first couple verses, it starts always with worship and listening. If we really want to be on mission, if we really want to be on the the path that Jesus has for each one of us, it starts with being, it starts with worship, it starts with listening. There are three things that through His Holy Spirit we need to receive from Him before we do anything. The first one is, is patience. We, we, we need to receive the patience to wait for the Lord. We've talked about this a lot lately. God not only has a plan for you, He has a timetable for you you know, when we read uh, Bible narratives, it's really hard to sometimes get an accurate sense of timing of things, right? Because it's so much of history crammed and truncated and certain things are elaborated and take up chapters and chapters that only happened in a day or two. And then there's, you know, gaps where there's one chapter and it covers hundreds of years at times. Um, and so it, it, the the timing of things gets messed up this this and paul's life is a good example you know this sending um paul going on his first missionary journey the distance between that and and his um, conversion and initial call is over a decade there was 10 years between the time that that Jesus met Saul on the the Damascus road and, you know, literally knocked him off his high horse and and blinded him and all that. You remember that story? Um, And and first told him, you know, I have a job for you. And, And his first actual missionary journey was over 10 years. It's hard sometimes to wait for God's timing. It's hard to accept the fact that we have, we God sometimes gives us a, a vision for something or, or puts a desire, a passion in our heart to do something or or be something, and it doesn't happen right away. And I want to encourage you today that there is not always a direct link between your faithfulness. In God's timing. That sounds wrong, but let me explain. <laughs> Just because you're being faithful doesn't automatically speed up the timetable that God has for certain things. Does that make sense? Sometimes it is by His sovereign plan for reasons and factors and variables that we will never fully comprehend that this is the moment in time that that thing is going to happen. And you can be faithful here and here and here and here and here and all the way up. And it's not going to make this happen quicker. Sometimes it can. Our faithfulness can definitely delay things if we're not faithful, right? We, I, we all, I think, know that. But, and, and that can be a hard truth. That can be frustrating to think about um, at times. But it can also be freeing because what the enemy likes to do is he likes to convince us and we live in a society that loves to sell us on this idea that if you just do everything right everything will go right right <laughs> and it's not right that's <laughs> completely not right in most most things that you can do everything right and sometimes things still take a certain amount of time there's no way to make good red sauce in an hour just the laws of physics. It takes time. <laughs> there are things that, that, that God has a time for. And we need to learn, and God wants to develop um, patience in us to not just wait for the right for, for for the vision to what He wants us to do, but wait for the release in His timing of when to do it. So that's the first thing. God wants to in us, and we need to receive and develop a mentality of patience and waiting on God's timing. But along with, with patience, we need patience, but we also need to receive His plans. Say His plans. His plans. See, God has plans for us, and we have to take the time to know that God is sending you to whatever it is. That it is his plan that that he is sending you on this mission it's what what keeps you going when things don't look like they're working out. It's knowing that that you are in the will of God that you are are pursuing what he wants for your life that you are faithfully obeying the call that he has put on you. We need to have plans because uh out out of Old basketball coach used to say all the time, you know, if you aim at nothing, probably near the end of this, you'll hit it every single time, right? (laughs) If you aim at nothing, when in basketball, when you're shooting, um, one of the things they, one of the the basics they teach you is, you know, aim small, miss small. You don't just aim at the backboard. You don't just even aim at the hoop. You pick a spot. You pick, you know, the little. There's those little metal brackets around the hoop where the the net is that they, you know that's tied up there. You pick one, one little one inch square, and the, the more narrow your 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 focus is, more accurate your shot will be. God has has plans for us, and we need to we need to receive those plans so that we we will be able to run and walk and whatever he, whatever speed He has for us towards those things because there is a million options out there right and so much of the time I think a lot of us are just drowning in the the, the American option c there's a million things we could be doing good things right things great things fun things important things there's a, there's there's just an endless list we have to be patient and wait to receive from the lord what are your things and run towards those to accept the fact that you can't do you can do anything through christ but he can't he won't ask you and you can't do everything through christ so we need his patience we need his plans And the third thing that that the Lord wants to develop in us is we need His passion. God wants to give us a passion for our life, not just for being alive, but for our life, for the things that we are doing, for the things we are pursuing, for Him. He wants our life to be, um, He wants you to have things in your life that that you are passionate about. For and against. When you look at look at Paul's life. If you could wanted to sum it up, sum his life up in one one word, passionate would would be a good one. There was not there was a, when you read his story, when you read his writing, he was all he tended to be very for things and very against things. Right? There is God wants to instill in us a passion for the plans that he has for us. And passion is not just about emotion. Passion is not just about, um, it's not really even about expression of emotion. Sometimes we talk about, oh, that guy is so passionate. And what we're really talking about, he is very expressive, right? We, it's easy to say, oh, this person, you know, they're, they're so passionate about, we see in the church, they're so passionate about worship. Uh, and what we're saying, and it's not wrong, but what we're saying is we can see that they are demo- they're very demonstrative in their worship. But the, really the biblical understanding of, of passion, when we use that word, it's not really about how demonstrative you are in your expression or even how, how much you emote emotionally. It's really more about how much are you willing to suffer for the cause of that thing. It's the real litmus test of passion. You know, I am actually next, so next week, I think it's, I think it's next week, we have our, I've been in a a fantasy football league for, oh gosh, a number of years with actually a bunch of guys from here, and uh, next week's our draft, Um, and I love it, and we have fun with it, and uh, it's a good time, Uh, but I am not passionate about fantasy football. Daniel's a little more excited this year because he almost won last year. <laughs> but I, and th- our league is great. It's the great, it, it, it's the right type of league for me because everybody in it is kind of on my level. It's fun, um, but none of us take it too seriously. We, you know, we put no money on it. It's none of, none of that. It's, you, you know, half the time every week somebody forgets to even set their lineup. Like it's not, we enjoy it, but we are not passionate about it. Why? Because... It's not worth suffering for, right? I do it because I enjoy it. That's not passion. That's entertainment. That's, that's a casual hobby. Passion for something means it, even if it costs me something, I'm going to do it. The more passionate I am for something, the more I'm willing to suffer to see that thing happen and to be involved and to give my life to that thing. And without passion, we can't endure the the suffering that will be required to accomplish the mission, to stay on mission. God wants to grow in you a passion for living on mission. That's lesson, that's the first lesson. That's how we live in response to the call. We respond with passion. We respond with patience. And we wait and we respond to the plans we receive from from Jesus. we got to keep moving. Acts 13.4, if we keep moving in our text, says, so Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They've received all they need to and now they're being sent out. Um, They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus and and then in verse 5 it mentions and John Mark assisted them. So we have so we have three Barnabas Saul and John Mark. And so here's lesson 2. There are no solo artists in the kingdom. There are no solo artists in the kingdom. We don't we, this is not um you know Michael Jackson who <laughs> you know in the Jackson 5 and is just not equal to the others so he breaks out and has Has the, you know, great solo career. Paul always worked with others. Following, I've said this a million times, following Jesus is a team sport. You cannot accomplish the things, the plans that God has for you. I I can tell you, I don't know, I don't know what they are. (laughs) I can tell you that. I can also tell you this. The plans God has for you involves other people. Like it or not. That's where some of the, for some of us, that's where some of the suffering comes in. You know we would love we would love it if God's plans for us were just something it was a to do list that I could accomplish by myself. that would be because it's so much it's in my control and i don't have to I don't have to worry or invest in other people or depend on them and I don't have to negotiate relationships and I can just be faithful and get it done. The problem is that's not the way God works. He works in us it's a it's a team effort. And we see this This is a, a foundational model for Paul's entire ministry. Paul gets a lot of the credit for what a lot of other people did. In fact, most of what we know about Paul, we only know because somebody else, you know, in... in Acts, the book we're reading, we only know this stuff because there was somebody else there. <laughs> Luke. Luke was with Paul on much of his uh, ministry, missionary journeys. We know that, that, that Barnabas and there was Silas and we had he, Paul developed this whole network of, of missionaries that, that went with him that accomplished the mission with him there are no solo artists in the kingdom and if you're trying to be on mission and you can't you don't know who your who your team is if you don't have i mean you're, you're here so consider us all on one team and that's great but your team for your life who are the people that you are on mission with the other six days of the week if we want to be on mission, if we want to go the distance, if you want a career of living on mission, you've got to find, you've got to commit, you've got to develop relationships that will allow you the strength, the encouragement, the guidance, the support, the skills to get there. And that requires investing in relationships with other believers, other people that are trying to be on mission, on, on mission as well. There are no solo artists in the kingdom. And then finally, lesson three, and this is where we're kind of we're going to jump back into the text and see see what the what the mission really is, because there's really one big takeaway from. Um, and it's a sh- spoiler alert, it's not, not the most fun truth, but it, it, it is one. Lesson three, uh, we have to embrace the facts of life. Embrace the fact. What are the facts of life? Well, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. Now that sounds for, <laughs> there's some people chuckling there's some prob- there's some people probably under 20 that are going, "What are you talking about why is, why is this funny?" Yes, it was a cheesy sitcom theme song, but it's also a very important lesson that we as Christians have to take very seriously and and Paul's missionary trips spell it out and show us this um, in a very extreme way. So Paul's team and Paul, when, when they would go around on this trip, they, they, their plan was simple. They went from town to town. They preached about Jesus um, and his kingdom. And they would start in the Jewish synagogue, wherever they would go. Or if there wasn't a synagogue, wherever the, 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 the uh, Jews were meeting. And then they would branch out into the Gentiles of the city. And, and the one most consistent thing about Paul's missionary trips was that they were both fruitful and painful. They were both fruitful and painful. In, in, in Paphos, one of the first cities they go to, the governor was interested in the gospel. How, what a big shift. What an important thing for the governor of an area to, to be interested in, in in the kingdom. What an opportunity. But his advisor, who was a sorcerer, um, tried to keep him from believing. And it says in verse 9, Saul, also known as Paul, a oh, little side note. So uh, a lot of times, you know, we talk about Saul and Paul and how, you know, he was Saul, then God, God magically transformed him and gave him a new name, kind of like Jacob, you know, God changed his name to Israel. That's actually not the truth that we're trying to analogize is, is, is accurate, but that's not actually what happens in, in the New Testament. Saul and Paul, his names are used interchangeably, both pre and post conversion. It's actually just his Jewish name and his Roman name. Um, that one was free. It has nothing to do with where, where we're going, but just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, so uh, verse 10, uh, he, then he said, you are, this is Paul, he's talking to this, this sorcerer. He says, you are the son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud and the enemy of all that is good. Will you ever stop perverting true ways of the Lord? Watch now for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. And instantly, uh, instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes and he began groping and begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. When the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. So what What a great, I mean, dramatic, not great for the sorcerer, but what an amazing moment where God. There's this 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 opposition to, to the gospel and God uses and because God likes to do this. Totally, totally turns the opposition on its head and and flips it right and uses that very opposition to convince this governor that 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 the lord is real and that that he 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 should accept and and you know trust in in jesus what a great outcome but look what happens as a result the next very next verse verse 13 paul and his companions then left Paphos. Uh, by ship for Pamphylia, uh, landing in a port town of Perga. There John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. And we, will, we can see later that this was not an amicable split. One, one third of his team that we know of, there was three guys going, one third quit the team in the very beginning of this missions trip. Gave up, went home. And we see this pain and fruit combined throughout their journey. They would preach in a town and would see God move and people believe in Jesus. And they would make enemies that would hinder their effectiveness and eventually, many times, run them out of town. In Lystra, they prayed for a man uh, that had crippled feet and he was healed miraculously. And everybody saw it and was so impressed. that. But they they were so confused about the gospel, uh, Paul never even got a chance to really preach it because the, his enemies were able to, to confuse the crowd. And they went from being literally, Paul went from literally trying to convince these people that he wasn't a god to literally being carried out to the city's edge and stoned, what they thought was to death. They left him for dead. They thought he was dead, but he was not. They would have a great experience in one city, and then nothing in the next, or get run out of town again. This is this is the third lesson, and it's one of the hardest that we have to fully embrace. That um, if we're going to live a passionate life on mission, that it will require suffering. It will require sacrifice it will not everything you can do it like i said you can do everything right it doesn't mean everything's going to go right and that's that's hard for us to to accept the fact that we serve a a good god that sometimes asks us and puts us in bad situations and we can get hung up on the 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 theology behind that, does he allow it? Does he cause it? And there's some valid conversations to be had in that area. But at the end of the day, when you're fearing for your life or your job's at risk because you you dared to tell somebody the truth or your friend doesn't want to be your friend anymore because of what you believe. Um, Those theological nuances don't really matter much, do they? It's hard. But the reality is loving Jesus is worth it. That's, when we talk about passion for Jesus, that's what we're talking about. That was, the, that was the power that allowed Paul to go through everything he went through. Because there was literally nothing this earth or, the, or demons or the devil or hell itself could throw at him that to his mind was anywhere near worth what Jesus had already given him. We see this in, uh, in Philippians chapter 3. I know we're jumping out of Acts, but it's a good one. 3.8, he says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. That means I i do everything. The answer is always yes. That's what that means. So Jesus is going to ask me to do something, and my answer is yes before he can even get it out of his mouth. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on on faith. I want to know Christ and experience. This is this is one of those verses where I say both wow and ow and huh. Ten. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. I'm good with that part. I want to suffer with Him. How can I mean how do you say that? How do you how do you get to the place where you can say that with a straight face and an honest heart? That I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death if we keep going. So that one way or another I will experience the resurrection for the dead. Listen, the only way you can say that, and this is this is well, coming back to the point. The reason Paul could say that wasn't because he enjoyed getting beat. Wasn't because it was some masochistic, perverted sort of, hey, if I take this pain on, I'm earning something. Or I'm getting some perverse pleasure out of it. No, he accepted the reality that suffering is a part of it. And so, when he says, I want to suffer with him, he's saying... I will take it all. This is worth that. Bring it. Bring it. And that's that's what living a passionate life is all about. It's not saying that we it's not getting to this place where you're so mature where you never feel pain or you're not afraid or you're not uncertain or any of those things. It's getting to a place that all of that stuff you can look at dead in the eye and go, "Jesus, you're worth all of that." And that's the life that Jesus calls us to. Is it easy? No. But here, here's some good, some weirdly, oddly good news. The pain is coming anyway. <laughs> you can live for Jesus or not live for Jesus. You can passionately pursue His plans or do your own thing. It doesn't matter. Bad stuff's going to happen. Right? We can choose, though, to, to have a purpose behind it. To have a passion, to have something that's worth the pain. To have something that, that we we can look past the, the 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 circumstances and go, you know what? This stinks, this hurts, this is horrible. I'm not even sure if I'm gonna make it through this, but there is something in someone that is worth all of this, and I will I will passionately pursue it. And if this thing takes me out, fine, I get to go with B Jesus and done with this whole thing anyway. This is the life that Jesus invites us into. And I feel like, and I've uh, in my own life, I have to, uh, I have to admit, I, I struggle at times with the passion part of this. I, I, I miss the intentionality, of feeling like my life has. Has a significant drive to it. Like I'm just going through the motions. Like it's all just kind of like like it doesn't have significance. And that's that's one of the ways the enemy likes to, to, to rob us of our rob us of our strength is to convince us that that one that we're we're not living on mission. Or that we're not being, we're not making a difference. And so, I want to close today with just uh, just a simple time of invitation. Specifically for, for passion. Um... I don't think I'm the only one at times and you maybe maybe here today and and feel like yeah I mean I love Jesus but it's if you're honest it's it's been a you're maybe you're in a season or it's been a long time since there was any any real passion behind your walk where you got up in the morning and really felt like there was something important that God wanted to say to you or be with you or do through you maybe maybe you know it's 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 due to a lack of faithfulness that there's been areas of your life that you, there's an area of your life where God said go and you said no and it is when that happens the God's a gentleman he doesn't he doesn't force himself on us and so when we tell him no he will gently keep nudging us but one of the ways he 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 guides us he leads us is through withdrawal when we tell him no in an area he doesn't He's a good parent. He's not like me where I tell my kids no. And, you know, nine times out of ten, they figure out some terrorist tactic to get me to change my mind and give it to them anyway. That's not the way God works. When we tell him no, he says, we say no enough, and he goes, okay, I'll wait the story of the prodigal son he will he will let you feel the distance and it's his loving way of calling us back and getting us to turn our nose into yeses so maybe that's you this morning or maybe you just just discouraged maybe you've been in a season where there's been some some really you've been in some of those hardships there's trials going on and, and 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 you're just even asking the question is is it worth it is it worth it? And so I want us to just take a moment this morning and ask the Holy Spirit to just rekindle our, our souls. To reignite our, our passions. Our passions for His plan. Our passions for His presence. Our passions for, for each other. And the way I want to do this is, is real simple. Um there's a there's a, a a band I I I love called Shane and Shane. They have that they, they, they have a song that I think fits this moment really, really well. Um kind of conveys the the what what this kind of heart's cry is. And so we're just gonna simply play play the song, and I wanna invite you to to just sit and the words will be up on the screen and just Listen. Feel free to to sing it as a prayer. Um, but if that if, if that if you want to respond to to this invitation, if you if you feel like if you're honest and you say, I, "I God, I need I need a touch. I need I need more of you. I need to be reignited." I want to encourage you to during the song to just come down come down front and um, during just during the song, and then after the song ends, we're just we're just gonna. Have a a moment of prayer and and, and ask the Lord to to rekindle some things and to move in us. Um, So let's let's do that. We got that.